It is certainly a privilege to be here, and this is no easy task because the Lord has given you a very good and excellent preacher. And you should be thankful every day for him and pray for him to, to come back. My dear friends, all of us make plans. Sometimes our plans are very detailed. We take care of any minutia. Other times, we just think the main idea, and we just go. I remember, for example, when I was about to finish seminary in RTS in Jackson, Mississippi. As you may remember, the center of the whole world, the whole universe. And I made a magnificent plan, the best ever. As soon as I landed in Merida, Yucatan, the town in which I was living before going to seminary, I would buy a dozen Bibles. I will rent a house, a home on the beach. I will go there for at least six months. I will do nothing, only reading the first Bible, underlining the ideas or the words that would caught my attention till I finish. If I become tired of reading, I will go for a walk or swim and then come back, eat the siesta, you know, and then reading again, get tired, walk, go swim, come back, read, you know. Everything was perfect. I would finish the first Bible, all underlined, all with notes, everything, as a good study of the Bible should do. And then I would start with the Bible number two. I would read it again carefully every day, reading, swimming, eating, taking siestas, till I finish the second Bible. And then I would compare the two. I would take the first Bible and the second Bible and compare. Why didn't I underline this? Why did I underline this? Why? W what is correlated? Okay. When I finished comparing the two, I would take the Bible number three and do it all again. When I finish Bible three, I would do the same, compare again, you see. I, figure, I figured out that since in, at seminary times, I didn't, have time, I didn't have time to read the Bible. I should at least read it after seminary, you know. But Don Vito Lecters, the missionary who was the main force at the seminary, had a different idea. He told me, Moses, forget 
everything about that. I need you to be prepared to be ready to teach philosophy. Can you imagine a civil engineer teaching philosophy? Well, I had to study philosophy. And uh, if you are interested, we can discuss a little bit philosophy later, no now. Well, you see no house at the beach, no Bibles, no reading the Bible. God is in control. No Moses Zapata. God is in control, no you. You see the point? But since the fall, human beings have a strong appetite for control. We want to control our plans. We want to control our future. We want to control our lives. And he is comes James, the half-brother of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, and reminds us, hey, 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 we cannot control our plans. We cannot control our future. We cannot control our lives. Now, we can submit to God and be happy, or we can defy God and start living hell right now. Think about that. We have a choice. The way of Gethsemane or the way of the road to Damascus. You remember? Before soul conversion. What do we find in Gethsemane? We find Jesus Christ kneeling, sweating, praying to God, and telling him, not my will, but yours. What do we find in the road to Damascus? Soul, soul, it is hard to kick against a spike. You see the difference? We have a choice. Now, it is not an easy task. It is not easy to give away control. Peter was a man who lived in a little town. He was a buyer for people who lived in that little town for a small commission. You know, he would travel to the capital, buy everything in his lists, come back home, give the merchandise, and be paid with a small commission. That's the way he made his living. Every Sunday, he would prepare his luggage, review it two, three, four times. Everything was ready for two or three days trip in case of an emergency, you know, because the train would pass very early in the morning when it was still dark, 
get into the capital, he would go quickly buy everything he needed and return to the train in the afternoon. And he was back home when evening was, when the night was falling down. You follow me? One day, as he was preparing everything for the trip, he heard knocks on the door. To his delight, one of his best friends had decided to come and visit with him. So he opened the door, and you know, friends that haven't seen for two or three years have a lot to tell about each other, right? So after the initial introduction, they converse about this, they converse about that. Then the friend noticed the luggage. And he says, where are you going? And he explains, I'm going to the capital tomorrow. And I will return in the afternoon. And George, the friend who was a Christian, has, says, God will. That adds to the proposition of the friend who was going to the capital. And Peter says, no, 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 don't, don't bring God into this. This is a minutia. This is something that I have decided to do, and God has nothing to do with it. And George tells, God will. Well, next morning before the song shows, he hears be this morning, this, this early. He opens the door, a policeman at the door. And he says, what's the matter? And he's told, the mayor of the city wants to speak with you immediately. And he says to the policeman, hey, 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 go and tell the mayor that I will be glad to speak with him as soon as I come back from the capital. But the policeman said, tells him, no, 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 no. He told me that he needs to speak to you now. That if it is necessary, I should use force. What could he do? He had to follow the policeman, right? Of course, he couldn't catch the train. He comes back home, and the friend tells him, you know, I told you, you should tell if God wills. And he said, no, 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 tomorrow I will take the, the train. God will. No, 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 I will take the train. Well, the next day, sure enough, there was no policeman at the door. So he steps out. He takes the little road to the train station, but in one of the turns, he sees this mighty bull stopping him. Uh, he doesn't dare to move because he may attract the attention of the bull. So he stays still. And the bull is looking at him and he's trying to to not, not to look at the bull, but every time that he can steal a, a glance, he sees that the bull is looking at him, and he's very afraid. He doesn't dare to move. 
Finally, the bull goes away. But it is too late. The train is gone. So he goes to his home again. And his friend starts cheating to him. And he says, you know, I told you. You should say, tomorrow I will go. I will go tomorrow. I will go tomorrow. But you should add, God will. And he just was exasperated. I said, I will go tomorrow if God wills the major at the bull. Just not to fail, you know. Such we are, you know. We do not want anybody to tell us what to do. So, we need to return to James and see what he says in the very last part of the passage today. He says at the very end, if you can follow, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. You know, somehow we have the tendency to think that to sin is to do something, to do something wrong, right? And in some sense, this idea has been reinforced by the first commandments. You shall not, you shall not, you shall not, see? So when you do something, you are sinning. But this James comes today and tells me, Moses, that I sin not only when I do something bad, but I sin even when I fail to do something good. Do you follow? Jesus, when you go home, you can check it in Matthew 25, says something very interesting. He says that at the end of times, the Lord will separate some sheep to the right, remember? And some sheep to the left. And he will tell to the sheep at the right, you are going to come with me because you have been doing good. And you remember the rest. But then he says to the sheep at the left, you go to eternal torment. And they say, why? And he says, because I was in jail and you did not visit me. I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was sick and you did not come to see me. And then they say, hey, wait a minute. When did, were you in jail? When were you sick? When were you hungry? And you remember the answer. You did not do to the little ones. 
And when you did not do it to the little ones, you did not do it to me. So think about that because we are just one day or two to the new year. And this is the time that we all of us make plans. Is that true? And we need to think about this. When we cease, when we fail to do something that is right, that is a sin. Fortunately enough, we have defense mechanism. How do we protect ourselves about this knowing what is good and not doing it? Well, we avoid doing, we avoid knowing what is good. And then we do not read the Bible, for example. But I encourage you to get, if you are reading the Bible already, good for you. But if you are not reading the Bible, and my theory, very personal theory, is that a Christian should read the Bible at least once every year. So if you are a five years old Christian, how many times you should have read the Bible? Five times. What if you are 15 years old Christian? 15 times. The whole thing from cover to cover. Not only Psalm 23. Not only the parable of Jesus, the lost coin, and the lost sheep, and the lost song. You see? You should read the whole thing from cover to cover, so you will know what is good. And then you can do it. And you can get a, a daily walk Bible that is easy to get. And you can read every day what is 10 minutes at the most 20 minutes. And when you notice, at the end of the year, you have finished reading the whole Bible. Or if you don't want to spend money in a very special daily walk Bible, just get from the internet a program of reading the Bible, a system of reading the Bible, but be faithful. The thing is that you should read the Bible, and you will be surprised even when you read one passage a hundred times, it is always fresh. It is always good for your soul. But you see, we want to control our plans, but there is a small problem. We have not an exhaustive knowledge of everything. One small example. Perhaps some of you especially the ones who are not in the 50s, uh, in the, like 20s, that you are more than, almost close to me, okay? Remember the Pinto car? I think it was Ford. And remember that the Pinto had a big trouble. Because when, we was, when he was hit from, the, from behind, many times burst in flames. Because somehow, 
the gasoline container was situated in such a way that would rupture and then burst in flames. Do you think that Ford planned that car that way? Do you think that the engineers planned that car in that way? No, Jose. No way, Jose. I am sure that the engineers tried to do a very small, safe car for the, a small family. But you see, we do not have an exact knowledge of everything. And that's the reason we need to trust our Lord. Because he knows everything. And he knows exactly not how many irons are in each column. He knows what type of iron is. He knows what concrete is there. He knows what the resistance of that column is. And he knows how, many en how much energy that light is burning. He knows everything we do not know. But we want to do our plans as if we know, we knew everything. You remember Cain? You remember the first family, Cain and Abel, the sons, the children? And Cain had a small problem with Abel. And he figured out that he could solve the problem. And you remember what he did. He invited his friend to the field, and then he killed him. And he thought problem solved. I had planned to be a medical doctor. I ended being a civil engineer. I am happy. Don't think that I am mad at it. I am happy. I had planned to be a pilot in the Mexican Air Force. I passed all the tests. Run this fast. Jump that height. Do this, do that. But I don't know why they did this way. Finally, they took me to, to be measured. I was short one centimeter, less than one inch, half an inch. So I am not pilot in the Air Force. I had planned to live in the Yucatan all my life. Even when I finished RTS, I took that as a parenthesis in my life. I decided never ever to leave Yucatan. Where I am? Since many, many, almost 26 or so years, okay? Since October 90. You see, one thing is sure God is in control, not me. 
And please, when you are doing your plans for next year, just remember how James says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You see, we want to control the future. We want to make sure that the future will be the way we paint it. And Jesus tells us, in Luke 12, when you go home, please review it again. About a man who had a mighty crop. And he said, what are you going to do with all this grain? Oh, I know what I'm going to do. I will, I'm going to build new barns. And I will save everything there. And my life will be secure for the rest. I will tell my soul, rejoice, drink, eat. Everything is fine. You see? And what Jesus says, you fool, tonight your soul, your soul will be taken and everything that you have accumulated, what is going to be about it? Proverbs 27 tells us, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. My dear friends, in short, when you go home, read again James. Bible does not forbid you to make plans. We, every one of us, we need to make plans, right? But we need to remember that we need to get in tune with God. And the only way to get in tune with God is first place if we are Christians. So if you are listening today and you are not a Christian, and you are looking, you watch and saying, oh, Moses, please. Come down, Moses. Stop. I beg you. I beg you from the bottom of my heart. You are in peril. Consider your situation. You cannot control anything. Remember the time that you had made plans and everything has come crashing. Perhaps not everything, but even a small part of it. Do you remember the challenger? Do you? What failed? A small O-ring. That was all that failed. And many lives were lost for that. So if you're not a Christian, I beg you, please, Consider your situation. Come to Jesus. Ask forgiveness. He will embrace you. He will not tell you, oh, I have called you three times. You didn't answer. Go home and kick you. No, no, no. He will not do that. 
He will embrace you as he embraced me. But the second thing, read your Bible. Don't forget to read your Bible. If you read your Bible, you will enjoy even more the revelation sermons that Chuck is providing. Know your Bible. Know what God says there. And the third thing, pray. Remember that our life is like a vapor only. I can remember now that when I was a little child living in the little town in the Yucatan, I was as happy as you can imagine. I never suspected that I would go to live in Merida. I never suspected that one day I would go to study to RTS, the center of the whole universe, in Jackson, Mississippi. And I didn't suspect it at the time that I would come to El Paso. Talk to you. Pray. Pray to be in tune with the will of God. If your plans are in tune with the will of God, your plans will be successful as you can never imagine. But if you say, as Peter, I will go tomorrow to the capital to buy, a bull may show you in your way. Or maybe the city major will call you. You remember? Trust in the Lord and your life will be completely, utterly happy. There is no other way. <sighs> Yesterday I received a phone call. I was driving, so I couldn't attend the, the call. And one elder of yours, you can investigate who he was, was kind of concerned because he understood that I went to the hospital. I, I did not go. I was taken to the hospital. And later I can tell you the whole story. But as I was at the hospital, my brother Aaron came to visit with me with his wife and it happened to be that my wife was there also. And I was thinking, because I had to spend the whole night there here in the Providence that is here in Transmontane. Why the Lord decided for me to have the, that experience? And my conclusion, personal conclusion, because they didn't find anything wrong with me. My conclusion is that in his love, God wants me to have a better grasp of the fragility. Is what the, the way you say, fragility of life. Now you think I can lift, I can run, I can read, I can talk, I can think. Well, all of a sudden, I was repairing some rare breaks. And all of a sudden, 
I enter in a kind of a dream. You see? Perhaps now I am dreaming. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> you see? The fragility of life. Please don't make your plans taking God on the side. Okay? Remember, read your Bible. Pray. But the first thing, make sure that you are a Christian. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, we are so grateful because you are our God. And we pray, Father, that you will somehow show us more and more that we should depend from you that your love is such toward us that you will guide us to the right place. Allow us to consider always you when we make our plans. Bless the people, these people of yours. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>